0: How do he start a podcast?
1: He did this last time, so hello.
0: Hello, I'm Cameron. I'm John. This is Humbly Speaking, the greatest podcast. Oh, I did this wrong this time. Oh, this wow. is the greatest podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. It will be. Humbly.
1: Hum- Humbly. Humbly. It is the greatest. Humbly Speaking. Speaking. It is the greatest
0: podcast. That You know what that was, John?
1: That was some awkward silence. That was
0: some awkward silence. Uh, I've been actually thinking about silence a lot. Uh, Especially since our first episode, we had a couple instances of awkward silence, and how I'm kind of a hypocrite
2: because
0: I a I love silence. I think silence is great. One of my best, one of my favorite forms of prayer is is silent silence in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, But and and I don't know if you do this too. Like when you go to sleep, Mm -hmm. is it absolutely quiet in your room? It's not totally silent.
1: Because we have a filter fan in our in our bedroom uh thanks to allergies um so it it's not silent at all um but I can't say it's like white noise, it's not a white noise machine, but it acts like that,
0: so it's not totally silent so and i I don't know if this is weird, and I think there are definitely some other people in the world I hope that are doing this um but I've been listening to podcasts to go to sleep for the last like 12 years?
1: So you were like, you were listening to podcasts before it was cool.
0: Before it was cool. Oh, yeah. Man. back you're so when... hipster, man. <laughs> um, when
1: I think of Cameron, I think of hipster right away. That's like the first word that comes to mind. Thanks, fam.
0: That's yeah, actually, a, as a millennial, is a compliment.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. Now I you're would... going to have to stop listening to podcasts because it's cool now.
0: Unfortunately, I'm going to have to listen to this podcast
1: mm. to
0: make sure that I'm not speaking any... Heresy. We're right. Uh, and to be frowned upon. <laughs> you know, I'm going to stop right there just because heresy is such a good segue Ooh. to go into our first guest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is a good segue. Uh, We're going to keep this one because that was a beautiful segue. Yeah.
0: Not not that he is heretical in any way, shape, no. or form, but is probably the best heresy checker we could have had for the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we needed a heresy checker. I think, so. I think I don't think I spoke any no. non-truths about the faith. We'll have them take a listen to it. <laughs> uh, we we have a uh, our first guest, uh, Father Ben Johnson, joining us on the Humbly
2: Speaking podcast. Goodness, what a setup! Thank you very much, Karen, and thank you, John. Happy to yeah. happy to be joining both of you for a conversation. I like I like your energy. I like uh, your banter, and I think uh, I mean I'm excited for what you guys are putting forward here. Yeah, we're excited to do it.
0: So. When you were a kiddo, and you're you're our you're our age, yeah. <laughs> As I get older, it's weirder for me to say like, at our age,
1: yeah. Because I, I was feel actually like I'm still young.
0: I was actually thinking the other day, um, at the end of the edge year, we were just kind of sitting around. Elizabeth was giving just a really short talk before we went outside, and I was thinking how it's kind of weird that I'm here sitting in, but. Be- like in the midst of middle schoolers because I'm almost 30 years old mm. and I'm no longer that close to them at age. Right. I used to be able to say like, I'm only I'm your age away from your age. Cause I was like 26, 27, mm. but now I'm 29. And now, <laughs> now I like just saying like our age kind of sounds like it, it doesn't really work much anymore because our age is typically used as like a, as a youthful, Mm, yeah, you know, uh, statement. Uh, but, Father, you're 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 our age, <laughs> and you kind of grew up in the in the same technologies as as us. Um, were you a were you a uh, like a listen to the radio reading kind of kid uh,
2: before bed? Uh, growing up, there were a few different uh, falling asleep routines. So, like, I remember most of high school was dominated by. Dad would watch Seinfeld until you know, like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I, I never fell in love with it. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. I did ultimately fall in love with Seinfeld. But at first I was like, what is this? And I was loosely interested and I just happened to fall asleep while watching it. And then it became like a nightly occurrence. And then soon I, before I knew it, I was looking forward to falling asleep with Seinfeld on TV. Um, sometimes it would be interrupted by... Loud commercials. I don't know how that works. Like the the, the the commercials are always twice as loud as the shows, which mm. is terrible.
0: <laughs> it's to make you, to get your attention, to buy the product.
2: Yes. Uh, and, and, well, before the Seinfeld era, um, that was maybe elementary, middle school. Ben would be, depending on the year, it would be either a Game Boy Advance or a Nintendo DS I would have playing whatever the Pokemon game was at the time nice um, in my bed and so we, we had a hallway light on and i would i would watch under my door if i if i heard something and i saw shadows i would i, I had the advanced sp that one that snapped shut and so i would like clap it shut and put it under my pillow and then pretend to be asleep or the or the nintendo ds close that because uh, that puts it to sleep right away it cuts off all the sound and then just just like fake fake sleep for a little bit and then hear those footsteps walk away it's like okay they're gone i can keep playing and so, very scattered fall asleep routines. Do you, think, do you think your mom totally knew what was going on? <laughs> My mom is so sweet. Um, she probably did. And she probably didn't. I mean, she cared, but also not. <laughs> she knew it was harmless, hopefully.
1: I never had a DS. When you, like, close it shut, does it turn off the game? Or just, do you, can you open it back up and be, like, right where we were at before?
2: If I remember right, it was like a perfect suspend. It was oh, pretty wow. impressive. Yeah. That
1: isn't that's impressive. Yeah. for that era.
0: Yeah, like, even the, like pff, closed. The, the first generations did that too. Oh, nice. That's pretty. That's slick. The single greatest handheld gaming accomplishment was the backlight. Oh um, yeah, for sure. Because the original like Game Boy colors didn't have that. You had to play it in the day, or you had to get like an, an attachment. Yeah. That like swung a, like a, I don't know, like a. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, like a lamp that like, a lambda, a yeah. like you, would, you would bend over, like a bendy straw almost. You would bend over the the screen so you could see, but then it would give you this awful glare. Right. And they invented the backlight. That was like the greatest accomplishment. I topped
1: off at the Game Boy Advance. I never had anything past the Advanced. But uh, I think they had the backlight with the Game Boy Advance. Or did yeah, they? I not. think so. Yeah,
2: think they had a ge- Maybe with the color, even, but for I sure they advanced. They had a they
0: had a swing over. Like it was a it was as big as the screen. Oops, mm-hmm. it was as big as the screen, and like would just fit on top of it, so you don't really have to worry about it. Okay, they gave light. Maybe that's it. What it was I'm a separate of. thing you turned on. It wasn't mm-hmm. a backlight like a s. Oh, I was thinking even the SP. The Game Boy as the SP had a backlight too. It wasn't just with the DS. Mm. Um, now that I think about it, since you're talking about playing Pokemon, in Pokemon, the the, like, the first thing you do is you pick if you're a boy or a girl.
1: Mm-hmm. I never played Pokemon. <laughs> I'm just nodding along. Sounds about right, though. Uh,
0: yeah, but you pick if you're a boy and a girl or, or a girl. Um, I think that's still how it goes. And then you pick your name. Ooh. So you type in your name. So your name, I mean, your name is Ben like so you've been a priest for eh, almost two years Mm -hmm. right um do you like in in your own like internal self-talk do you refer to your like do you see yourself as ben or do you see yourself as father now
2: it's a good question i guess i mean i don't know how your internal dialogue goes but I don't, I don't really talk to myself
0: in like the third person, but like right, right. The third you just person. like when you think of when you just think of yourself. Do you think of yourself as Ben, or do you think of yourself as Father?
2: Maybe some of it is more of like a, like a, like a psychology thing. But I've always liked Ben mainly because it's just a single syllable, like a, a singular. Mm. It's like Ben, Ben. That's and it's 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 clear i hear i hear someone say ben i turn to it um I, don't know, I guess i guess with ordination that priesthood just became core to ben like when my family members still call me ben as they've known me for 26 to now 26 years or and then ordination and then two years of ordination i mean they still just call me ben i know they understand my priesthood as is core to me um I suppose if there is an internal dialogue, or a, I, I guess I would go with Ben. So, yeah. Like
0: a self-image?
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe. If I'm picking up what you're putting down.
0: I, I Maybe I'm just putting it down horribly. I don't know. I, John, are you understanding my question?
1: This is some really deep psychological, like, do you view yourself
0: as Ben? Well, not like that, like, <laughs> do you view yourself as a priest? Because I sure as heck hope the answer well, I, is yes. Well, I'm yeah. assuming, yeah, I'm right, right. <laughs> But just, like, is a as a, like, because you've been a priest for two years, like, even, th- even think about, like, your own profession, John. Mm. Like, oh, or, or was as myself, nurse, like, John. when did you start seeing yourself as a nurse? Oh. Like, when did I start seeing myself as a teacher, Rip? Like, I'm a recovering teacher now. But, like, when do you start seeing yourself as that? Because, mm. you know, two years is a long time, but in, like, the... God willing, is a very small amount of your priesthood. You know, you know what I'm saying. Hmm. So, like, you, when, where do you get there with that? Like, you are a priest in your in your own self image, or a nurse in your own self image, or a teacher in your own self image, or whatever yeah. you're doing for a living.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. To so throw another snag into it, as I was 25, it was deacon. <laughs> you didn't just go from Ben to father. Oh, right. I was deacon for one year.
0: Is it? I mean, and you've worked with deacons for, for a while now. Is it? Did you really see yourself as like a, a deacon though? Because that transition is pretty quick and it's it's a temporary thing. Like your priesthood is not temporary, God willing. Uh, you're, you are a priesthood. You are a priest. <laughs> Until like you, are a priest. <laughs> You're a priest until you die, right? But you were a deacon for a very short amount of time because you were that transitional deacon.
2: I like to think. I like to think I kept with it um, because the duties, aspects of, of deaconhood, aren't dropped. I think of um, one of my favorite moments of ordination liturgies um, is in the ordination of a deacon. And the book of the Gospels is handed on. And the bishop says to the deacon, Now I got to get this sequence right. He says, Receive the gospel, believe what you read, uh, teach what you believe, and practice what you teach. I think that's it. Believe Mm -hmm. what you read, teach what you believe, and practice what you teach. And like that doesn't stop at priesthood, like that continues too. Right. And so when I became a deacon, I said, This is a part of me growing into the fullness of that identity, which will come later, but I'm not there yet. Hmm. So for now I'm, I am Deacon kind of like a child growing into who they're meant to be. Um, and vocationally that is, that is what's happening. That a vocation is being affirmed. I think
1: that's a good transition into sort of, um, you know, we've talked about what this podcast is about. Um, you know, Did we not in this episode their, yet? No, in, in in past episodes, none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've talked a lot about, about it. Yeah, know? sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you didn't always know that you wanted to be a priest, you know. So let's talk a little bit about childhood Ben. And we talked about we know you you played DS when you fell asleep. That's all we kind of really know. I mean, that's not like, all I know, but for our listeners, you know, what was the childhood Catholic life for for Ben like? For Father Ben, I should say. Now, See, now you got me This mess- is what I'm now talking, now what I'm talking about, man. Now you got me calling him Ben. Like I feel that, so disrespectful.
0: That's that's what I'm talking oh, about, man. man.
1: Well, Father Ben, when like <laughs> I'm, let's I'm, talk about Father Ben's childhood.
0: Like you never called me Mister Grinky. No, I haven't. When I was a teacher.
1: Do you want me to call you that? N- no. <laughs> okay, I won't call you that. But
0: <laughs> but for six years, I could have been offended. You could have been, but I wasn't.
1: Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad that you weren't, man. I want to offend you over there, <laughs> but to, to go back to the question, Father Ben, when, what was what was the Catholic life of Father Ben as a as a child?
2: Oh, the Catholic life—it was good. I was um, born and raised into a good practicing Catholic family. Um, <clears throat> we we prayed before every meal. We prayed before uh, bedtime every single night. Went to Sunday mass um, when I was the first priest I remember is father Dan Felton. Uh, he baptized me now. He's now Bishop Dan Felton. Um, no, it it was a pretty standard Catholic upbringing and, and in terms of my daily life, not, not too remarkable. I was a a shy introverted kid. I was not hyper coordinated. Uh, I had really bad eyesight and, uh, I much preferred. I feel that. (laughs) I much preferred, uh, you know, playing Mario Kart versus playing um, I don't know, anything physical because I, I happened to be good at the Mario Kart stuff, and I like I liked winning. I had that that aspect of manhood really drilled into me. I wanted to win. I wanted to win. And there you go. The downside was I spent all my time indoors playing GameCube and N sixty four, and I you didn't get that vitamin D in you. Yeah. I did not. Oh. No, no, but. Uh, no, it was, uh, I, I'm, my big identity growing up was as mostly as big brother, one part little brother and four parts big brother because mm. I got one older sister, but I got four younger sisters, uh, five sisters total and I mean helping to watch the kids growing up. That was expected. And I, I didn't mind. I love, I loved them I love my sisters. Um, I just had a, a memory, and this is starting to branch like the the Catholic part with you know my family part and my my understanding of prayer and the purpose of that. Well, I think one of my earliest prayers I ever prayed might have been like kindergarten or first grade. I think it was first grade. I already had my older sister and my younger sister, and my mom was pregnant again. And I said, "Okay, uh, Mister God, I." Um, <laughs> I have Mr. two God. sisters and I have no brothers, so I, it, yeah, I'll take a brother, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I was blessed with three more sisters. <laughs> oh <laughs> man! So, well, that didn't work. Um. But uh, no, no, faith, faith was it was present, um, but maybe not fully understood, and and some of those. In terms of like understanding matters started to come to a cusp more as you get into the high school years and uh, I was on the standard track for I, I received confirmation in my junior year now since I went to Catholic schooling that was the big kick was I quote-unquote didn't have to go to faith formation mm. and I got I quote-unquote got to just go to school and not have to go to any other extra classes and but of course We still had to work in our sacraments and I'm not harping on anyone, but I I don't know if I personally, I didn't myself put forward the adequate effort to really seriously look at confirmation. I remember being told a couple times, this is your moment to really decide for yourself. This is something I want to embrace and pursue. And I remember being told that and I was like, yeah, well, I don't really have the option to jump ship. I'm not really passionate about this whole thing but um I'm just gonna stay the course and I think inside I was really hoping that something miraculous was going to happen with confirmation uh whether it would be a booming voice from heaven or or, or some deep spiritual insight or or a weight an awakening of some sort I, I think I was subconsciously expecting that and I didn't get it and now it's not totally proper of me to expect that um but at the same time, confirmation is a serious thing. It's, it's awesome, real graces are communicated. But the thing about graces, and I'm learning this with priesthood, is that graces are typically always available. What's lacking is our ability to receive, that we, we've allowed ourselves to be hardened. And I like to use the image of a rock versus a sponge. Uh, it's like trying to get the center of a rock to become wet. It's, it's not gonna work. <laughs> And that rock is like a hardened heart. In heart. It's, it's, a, it's something that's closed off mm. to grace. And you can, grace would be water in this image. And you, you, can, you can even submerge that rock in water. Submerge that rock in grace. And you're not going to get the center of that rock wet. But if you switch out that rock for a sponge, and following the gospel, this would be switching out a stony heart for a natural heart. Well, then boom, you, you are good to go. That, you are going to soak up grace that is going to work and i didn't get that um i was very i needed god to conform to my expectations and my parameters and he wasn't doing it and it made me mad and i go to prayer i didn't i wouldn't hear a voice back i didn't know what i was doing and you know in some friend circles people start to poo poo belief um lightly make fun of you know all those are those are christians or Mm. and there's this subtle suggestion that there's a separation between the reasonable people of the world the scientists the people that embrace progress and and science and everything and then there's the crazy religious people and it's things like religion that make things like like 9-11 happen like not trying to be hyper dark or irreverent but they're, they're they're proposed as incompatible and I totally fell for that as well uh, I like science I did good in science I liked math I did good in math uh, that'll come into picture and you know following the standard advice of kids in high school you're told to do what you're good at and you're told to study what you're good at what you excel at um, and maybe get a job in it one day and that kind of led to my just orientation of life in general. I said, well, I'm not a faithy person. I'm not a religious-y person. I'm a science-y person. That's who I am. So I'm going to embrace that. Uh, and so, sadly, right after my confirmation, I kind of internally decided I was agnostic atheist, leaning atheist, not outwardly. But I said, I said to myself, there's probably not a God. Um, I haven't seen enough to suggest he's really there. And it wasn't like a hyper sad moment, just kind of a disappointing one. Um, now I, I I stayed tuned. I held on to my faith. I kept going to mass on Sundays with my mom and dad. I, I and my family. I recognized there was probably something present in all of that. You know, they say this church is two thousand years old, right? You don't last for two thousand years on nothing. I figured there might be something, and I would just keep my ears open. But I was I was super skeptical, and. Feel free to stop me if I'm if No, you're new, you Oh, man. Yeah. All good stuff. It was uh, my senior year of high school that the unexpected return to faith came, and this was really through God. And this is why I, I like to share this part of the story because it shows that I'm not the protagonist. Uh, I'm very much the antagonist in my own story, that, that God's the protagonist. I had, um, in order to graduate I had all these other classes on track and I I just needed one full literature credit and this would be stretched over the, the two semesters of my senior year. Um, So looking at this literature credit and looking at who was, you know, I I wasn't the biggest fan of the standard course and, and the books that they were reading and stuff, but there was something else that was proposed and This was a professor I'd never seen before, and this was rare at Lourdes, uh, because there wasn't too much electives in terms of classes we could take, but this uh, professor, I'd never known him before, but apparently he taught at UWO, and that kind of bolstered my confidence. I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm an academic type. I want to take college classes right now, even though I'm in high school, and the course title actually was, the course description, I should say, that's what got me the most. So... This rare option of an elective. I looked at it and it said uh, it was the, the first course is called Bible is lit, Bible is literature. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great it's a great name. Bible is lit. <laughs> the course description said, in this course we will read through parts of the Bible strictly as a literary work and not mm. as a spiritual one. Okay. I said, oh, I like that. Um, I'm not inherently anti-Catholic, but there's things I have questions about, and I'd like to maybe maybe zero in and criticize a little bit on uh, some of these parts that I, I'm not easy with. Uh, and then the follow-up course, which was the next semester, was called Christian Writers. And in that, there was different authors like C.S. Lewis and Dostoevsky. Um, uh, Milton, I think was his name. Uh, Paradise Lost. It was a wonderful book. Um, there's a couple other works we read, but it's escaping me now. And so I, I had the option of either going with these new and potentially, you know, I mean, not potentially, very unknown courses, or I could go with the standard track of, you know, English and literature four for seniors, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted the one of the college credit. I wanted the college class, college level class, um, the college level professor. I wanted to criticize the Bible, and um, it ended up being exactly what the Lord wanted me to have. Uh, This man was uh, an authentic, I mean, not that I'd never met an authentic Christian before, but he wasn't just a Christian. He was a a philosopher and a theologian. He loved to take time to sit and think about things. And for the first time, I had a, a professor that actually wanted to answer my questions. It wasn't that I held these back from other professors. I would ask them, like, why do you believe in God? And they would just say, well, I just always have. I Or they tell me it's just a matter of faith. Like that just doesn't cut it um, for a young guy searching for answers. I, I need a little bit more guidance because those those simple answers were things that I, I just wasn't sold on. I needed something more foundational. And this professor, he was willing to entertain that, uh, to listen and, and work through some of those questions. And I, I guess to sum up that part of the journey, like it started off very... Very distanced and very not engaged. In fact, he even called me out once in total charity, and I, I, I love him so much for this, this calling out. I was embarrassed at first, but we we're maybe like two weeks into the first class of Bible as lit, and um, he, I, I heard him, I heard him speaking up front. I always sat in the back. Um, actually, I, I would do my calculus homework um, as he teached. I know that's super rude.
0: <laughs> no, it's totally the correct... I mean, calculus is very important. Math is the most important subject you're ever going to deal with. So.
1: Yeah, it was okay. Math is... I didn't love it that much.
0: I like science. Anyway, I don't, I don't think you're super in the right. wrong for doing your calc homework, but absolutely not the best place to be doing it. it in my defense,
2: <laughs> calc gave the most homework, and I wanted oh, to chip fair. away at it. Yeah. Um, but so we were like two weeks into class, and I hear him say something like along the lines of, yeah, I know not all of this is super important to all of you, that some of you would rather be doing your calculus homework in the back of the classroom <laughs> rather than listen to what I have to say. And I was like, oh, shoot. Oh, he knows. Yeah, he <laughs> knows. <laughs> oh, no, he knows. So, I mean, the, <laughs> next, the next question on my mind was, am I getting a detention for this? <laughs> um, I've only had one detention. Fun fact. Oh, in boy. My life. Wow. Yeah. I was caught playing Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask, what is it? But I felt yeah. like there was going to be a transition there that you're going to tell us. So,
0: <laughs> so I'm
2: sitting there like, is this my, is this going to be my second attention ever? But no, you just kind of smile, look down and, and just continued the lecture. Uh, so in my shame and guilt, I closed my calc textbook and pulled out my pretty empty Bible as lit notebook. And I said, all right, I'll write down something that he's teaching us. Um, And yet, despite that, this was the same man that would ultimately sit with me and accompany me through these questions. So, you know, major props to him. And what caught my attention first was that he spoke of, in life, there are big T-truths and little T-truths. Little T-truths are things like two and two make four. Uh, The sky is blue. Uh, Frogs are green. Well, sometimes. (laughs) Little T-truths. And then there's big T-truths. There is a God. Your life has meaning. Whoa. I was like, "Okay, um, I'm intrigued by the big T truths, dear professor. Can we talk about those? You seem interested in those too." And to to make the long story short, essentially he accompanied me from not just um, belief in God's existence to okay, we've arrived at yes, we believe that there is a God. The next questions that follow, and there should be questions that follow. What kind of God is it? What kind of God are we talking about? I guess a preliminary question that would be, is it one God or many gods? But we arrived right away at monotheism. What kind of God is it? Is it the God of Islam? Is it the Judeo-Christian God? Is it uh, a God of any of these Eastern religions? Is it, who is this God? Uh, What do we think about some of the world's sacred texts? things like the Bible, first and foremost, the, the book that we were studying. There's also the Quran. There's other religious texts of the world. What, how do we take them all in stride? And, and what do we think of the Bible in particular? Because that was our focus of the class in France. Right. And if we can go along with the Bible as a story of the one God and mankind, what do we think about the crux of the Bible this person called jesus is he who he says he is or not because that that's that's critical and if he is who he says he is ultimately it, it's a walk all the way back to god's one church holy catholic apostolic church the catholic church and it's it's a longer journey than i just described it takes a long time to work through but Essentially, from is there a God to kind of God is there? What do we think about the Bible? Who is this Jesus person? Do we believe him? Uh, do we believe he is who he says he is? Then what? Uh, an accompaniment all the way back to Catholicism, which was ironically where I first started. And I, I was very cautious and skeptical of the whole journey, but I think what made the most impact was actually not the intellectual components. Like, you know, I look back. Back then, I thought I was super smart, but (laughs) Fulton Sheen put this really well. He said, uh, I wish I knew a fraction of a percent of what I thought I knew when I graduated high school. (laughs) I wish I actually knew a fraction of a percent of what I thought I knew. That would be awesome. Yeah. But we don't. And we think we know it all back then. Uh, and I think really what, what mattered the most was that this man was willing to accompany me, uh, who act, to actually listen to these questions and, and, and struggle through them with me, not in the sense of I'm going to tell you what it is, I'm going to tell you what to believe, but rather dialogical, question-based. And It was so good that I ended up taking another class from him. And Mind you, I did not like literature. I hated English and literature. Um, but this professor had such an impact, I wanted to take one more from him while I had the chance. This was my last semester of high school. And he was offering a new course, supplementary, and I did not need to take it to graduate. It was called Shakespearean Literature. So I didn't like literature, and now it's Shakespearean literature. <laughs> uh,
1: and like, yet, oh, I guess I'll do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was torn. I was like, Professor, I want to hear more from you, but, dude, Shakespeare. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> he, he, was, he was so passionate about it, though, and I, I said, fine, we'll do it. We'll do it. That's uh, awesome. And this this was a really strong return to faith. Uh, I really embraced going back to Mass and the sacraments as they were offered. And in the meantime, I've I've teed up my future um, as a chemist, specifically as a biomolecular engineer. That's what I wanted to go into at Milwaukee School of Engineering. I also, I, I received a lot of scholarship assistance. I think in the end, I only paid like including room and board, like $5,000 for my first year at MSOE. It was super nice. Um, things were just working out. Uh, they, were, they seemed to be falling into place. So I graduate high school. I, I say, goodbye, dear professor. Thank you for all you've done. Of course, I thanked him. Um, and I go back as a, a reignited Catholic into MSOE. Um, so I enter into the biomolecular engineering program, and i'm doing uh pretty good in fact by all the metrics i could come up with i should sh- i should have been totally happy uh, i had you see at msoe everyone is a nerd and if you're not it's time to go um, <laughs> and it's 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 all it's a wholesome nerdiness like there's really not too much there's, there's not any scandalous activity like like staying up late and partying meant halo on the xbox and, <laughs> and pizza hut to 4 a.m yeah, sounds like my freshman year <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it was awesome i loved it and it's awesome i had i had more friends than i ever had before i had uh i had good grades i was progressing well in my classes and yet very quickly into the fall semester there's just this nagging feeling which which totally upset me because like I, I live up in my head so much But this nagging feeling that I wasn't where I was supposed to be and I absolutely hated that Um, I needed a reason to think things not just a gut feeling I I don't like I don't like when people just follow their gut and then here I was saying gosh I have to follow my gut oh man and so following along at MSOE um, I stayed true with my courses I, I kept doing my work as much as I could but every day that passed my heart was not in it more and more and I was like why am I doing this why am I doing this um, really I, I I arrived at the conclusion I'm just doing what I was I was told to do um, I'm doing I'm engaging the studies that I'm good at the stuff that I'm, I'm naturally gifted at which was calculus and chemistry and, and, and science but heart was not in it every passing day it was getting worse and you know at first I thought it was homesickness it was my first time away from home and so I would go back home, but that wouldn't go away. And so I figured it wasn't homesickness. So what is it? What, what's, what's wrong? And I really started to long for those days of, of class with my professor, with those um, moments of encounter with, with God, and really engaging the Mass my only available um, recourse back to that. Now, even at this time, I didn't have a full understanding of the Mass nor do I claim to have that now but uh, while I was at the mass and I, I would recognize the priest holding in his hands especially at the the elevation the priest holding in his hands this small wafer and that I believe that this is God and to find that connection like literally tangibly sacramentally but then there's more than that there's elements like the homily and there's elements of that the priest doesn't just show up and have mass and and not provide other accompaniment. So he's really, truly a bridge between God and the people. And I liked that. I said, my professor was almost like a priest. Mm. Almost. He was married, and he had a couple jobs, actually. He taught at UW-Oshkosh. He taught at Lourdes, where I was. And he actually also worked at Quick Trip uh, part-time. And he did all this to make ends meet for uh, his family. I don't want to reveal too much about his family, but just a heart full of compassion that was willing to go to the end of the earth for his family, um, especially for his wife. And just uh, this, this generous man willing to sacrifice an hour of his time after class to listen to this angsty teen (laughs) who doesn't think maybe God doesn't exist. And yet to never tell me to to get off my high horse and, yeah. was so? Anyway, where were we? Back to Emisui, right? Yep. Yeah, you were uh, talking about how the you. Uh, right, the he, oh, yes. your yeah, professor yeah, was yeah, a, professor. a priest yeah, figure yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. 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 He he was like a priest for me, um, just not sacramentally, but in the in the sense of bridging to God. Yeah, mm. that was super cool. And I said, well, what if I could do that? But like. A priest? <laughs> it's like, Wait, no. like, no, no way. When I was younger, um, my teachers and, and others would constantly say, oh, you should be a server for mass. I'm like, no, thank you. That's, <laughs> I do not need eyes on me watching me what I do up there and criticizing. No, no, thank you. I was, I was a server once in my childhood. Once it was traumatic. I think I forgot one thing and that was it. Yeah, that, that did it. Hung up the robes. I did, I did. <laughs> well, back then it was it was like the 2000s. I don't know if we wore albs back then. Oh. It was kind of plain clothes. And, yeah, we don't talk about it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Those are t- dark times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I was like, wait, no, that can't be right. Priesthood, no, whatever. Um, I said, well, maybe there's something else other than what I'm doing right now. I can at least admit that. Okay, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what form it would take, but I can admit that. So I'll never forget the day because this accompanying little mini story like really solidified it in my mind. Right around so we worked through the winter and the spring semester, um, and again, this is this nagging sense is just getting worse every day. And so finally on April first, I had the wherewithal to ask my parents for their input because I figure, you know what? Mom and dad do know me and I love them. And if I just tell them I'm doing some soul searching, maybe they'll have ideas. Like, I was trying to be realistic. But I made the intentional you know, wherewithal to do this on April 1st, but I absolutely refused to call my mom on April 1st. I figured that'd be mean. If, <laughs> yeah, like, like, Mom, I, I might not be staying at MSOE. I'm changing I'm, my career, Mom. April 1st. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was April 2nd that I'd call my mom. And on April 3rd, I got a friend request from Father Dan Schuster. And I was like, <laughs> Mom, you betrayed me. <laughs> uh, it was right away. And um, I admit, looking back, I, I know I mean, I mean, I and love Father Dan Schuster. Um, and he, he wonderfully accompanied me through my time in seminary. Um, looking back at some of those initial interactions, as, as best as I can remember them, very well done, Father. Uh, very clever, but almost sneaky, but very well done. And what I mean by sneaky is that he started off. One of his earliest lines was, um, he said that um, that my mom had reached out to him, told him that I was doing some soul searching, and that he just wanted to help. <laughs> is that you just want to help? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, th- I think you might have an agenda, um, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. And uh, he said, no, no, I mean it. Just, next time you're in the area, Ashkosh or Green Bay, just let me know, we'll, we'll grab lunch, that's it, that's it, and so I said, all right, fine, we'll, we'll see what this is about, and so we, we do get lunch, I think it was in Green Bay, and he opened with, um, he's like, so I suppose you think I'm a priest recruiter, and I said, uh, well, you are, <laughs> and he, he said, no, that is wrong, uh, what is my title, Benjamin. He would call me Benjamin just like my parents if he was being serious. Benjamin, what is my title? I said, you are the vocation director. He said, exactly. He pointed at me. What does that mean? Vocation director. I, said, I don't mean, you're, you're like the, the, the priest recruiter guy. Says, you know? <laughs> he said, no, no. I direct the vocations in this diocese. Now, not all of them, but I, I try to help direct individuals to finding their vocation. That's it. And he said, "If you're called to be a priest, I want to help that happen. If you're called to get married, I want to help that happen." I said, "Oh, okay, no, sneaky. it could maybe yeah." yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know that that line really won me over, and I said, "All right, I, I think I can trust you with uh, this 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 part of the journey." At the end of the day, the joke's on me because. I have this collar on right now. And, I mean, it worked. It worked. It worked. <laughs> not that I was schmoozed into it or whatever you want to say. Um, I mean, I, I did the work of discernment, obviously. And, yeah. and I arrived at what Father Schuster had, had, had outlined right there. Um, if God is calling you, this is what you want to pursue. And if not, well, or if he's calling you to marriage, I should say. It's not about being called or not. It's about what are you called to. I want to help that become realized. And so here's where I typically have the story accelerate because truly what happens next is pretty simple. But um, so I, I do the work of discernment. I, I very non-committally enter college seminary with many questions, which she told me was okay, because college seminary is a very much, it's a very much a discernment place. And now in the years since, we've added this thing called the, the propodudic or the kairos here, which has a bit of a built-in, You're just going to live and be a Catholic man and and discern before doing your studies and your formation didn't, didn't exist back then. And so I was transferred in at the sophomore level, which made me a little bit nervous. I was like, okay, I'm a second year already, but I'm the most non-committed second year ever. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little suspicious father. (laughs) Um, But no, he truly college seminary is a place of discernment and, so I went there with questions, knowing that was okay, and I stayed because I found answers to those questions. And really, by the time I went to Mundelein, I, I was I was committed. So Mundelein was for the theology formation, the last four years of my seminary. Um, I had those questions answered, and really, the the last of the the meat of the work was to prep myself to be who I was called to be. And brings me to. Ordination day and and to to Manitowoc. And now here you are, here we are. And it's
0: that that's such a beautiful story, and and some of that I I hadn't actually heard before. Um, so that's that's wonderful. But um, you touch you touched on something that I think is super important. That even as a high school kiddo, the roadblocks that you ran into were. I want to ask these questions of my teachers: Why, you know, why do you believe in God or, or whatever? And it's just, oh, it's a matter of faith. And I think one of the things that we run into a lot with our youth, um, even families, uh, we get tripped up by the well. If we just, well, if we just told them the truth, they would they would want it. Or if we just told them that, oh, like you need to go to mass every week. Or if we just told them that uh, the Eucharist is truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, that they would automatically just, like, want it. Mm. And and I had even kind of spoke to this last episode about how, listening to that Father Mike Schmidt's talk about John chapter 6, the reason it grabbed me is because I had an open mind and a connection with God already. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't like happen overnight because I've even fallen into this trap too. Like, Oh man, if I just told the kids, uh, like the truth that they, they were just like, when, when their eyes see the truth, they'll, they'll know. And they don't, they instead have questions like you did. And questioning is, is good. I mean, we wouldn't be where we are as a church. If there weren't questions, I mean, the the, the the church has an entire book dedicated to answering questions about the faith. It's a beautiful book you should read. It's called The Catechism of the Catholic Church. And it answers all the questions that you could have. Um, and, I, and I think it's so great that you did have somebody that was willing to answer your questions. Mm. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to have... Especially those who work with our youth, those who work with in in any sort of ministry, have to be prepared to to, to faith and coming to faith is a it's a fight because especially for our, our youth today, and you know, Father, you see this a lot more than the struggles that more than than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure in the in the confessional and and just in conversations with kids when they struggle, they have so many. <clears throat> they they exist in a world today that does not want them to be Christian.
1: And I think to add, to supplement that too, is I think a lot of times we look at questions as bad. Like, yeah. oh no, they're questioning. But the way I kind of, I mean, read scripture. I mean, here we have apostles walking with Jesus, witnessing these miracles, mind you. Um you know, so you talked about before, you know, kind of wanting that like voice of God, right? Like, like mm. here I am, Benjamin. You know, <laughs> right? Um, but here, people are walking, witnessing, and even they had questions. You know, so like, I think it's, um, it, I want to, I guess, because w- I've worked with life Teen, you know, and worked with teens is, um, not to look at the question as a, uh, as an a bad thing or, or, more so like just having it be an opportunity, um, for, um, it to, to be a learning opportunity for, for, for kids. Cause I I really do think that teens do strive for answers and, and, you know, they're going through a time in their life of like questioning everything, (laughs) you know, like, like you said before, they're going, you know, like you or. Uh, very good at science. This is what you were told to, to, you know, like you were told to pursue something that you're good at. But I think a lot of times we're like, is that the right path? You know, we have a lot of questions as teens. So um, I think it's important to ask questions and to have the resources, you know, and to know where to go. If you are having questions
0: in your faith, just the, the important piece is seeking the truth is in itself an acknowledgement of truth.
1: Right. I I a hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Do you want to, do want to add anything to it? Um,
2: it's almost more fundamental than, you know, it, it, for some people they are even anxious to ask the question, is there a God? Um, ask them, do you believe there's objective truth? And do you want, do you want that? The, the, the red pill or the blue pill question, mm, right? Um, and it, it, it's a question that actually matters today because for a lot of people truth is pretty malleable according to them sure now objective truth is not malleable right but uh, if you if you think objective truth does exist and if you find a draw to it that that'll if you hold on to that that'll carry you all the way to the end of that that progression of you know the series of questions is there a God what kind of God is there Bible Jesus all of that.
1: I think another thing that stood out to me, what you were talking about, was um, you know your teacher being um, a, a huge part in your formation story, um, a, a really faith story. Not not necessarily your your you know, you know being a priest, but just your faith in general. Um, I think about you know people. I think about the people in my life you know, who have had that impact. And it's not always family. Um, it's sometimes total strangers or people who were strangers who later became, you know, friends. Um, I think that that the, the people in our lives, too, if we, if we open up our, you know, you said before, like the, a stone heart versus a sponge, Right. Um, you know, within that classroom itself, you went from having a stone heart of like, I'm doing my calculus homework <laughs> to, all right, let's see. Um, you know, I just think about, I, I, I don't know where I'm necessarily going with this, but I just think about, you know, how we could, um, you know, how important it is to to open our hearts to, to people, to stories, to listening, um, and how it can be a true witness of... Of God, you know, I, I, of you know the Holy Spirit working through others to get to us, um, you know, if you, if you give it uh, just a, you know an inch, you know, just open up your heart a little bit, you know. When I was when I would do retreats, uh, we would encourage students, you know, if you're coming in with a closed with a closed heart, you're not going to get anything out of it, you know. On I'm, I'm Confirmation Tree, if you're coming in here, not not wanting to get anything out of it, you're not going to. But if you open up a little bit, maybe you will, maybe not if you give a mouse a cookie if you give a mouse a cookie (laughs)
0: great book what what a great book what what was like um your favorite childhood book
1: oh my gosh my i had a series of of books and they were gosh i forget the name of the series but it was essentially (laughs) this is so john um I'm a big baseball fan, right? So when I would – I read these book series of this – it's about this kid who would, like, go back in time because he would look at a baseball – I don't know, it's super weird, super trippy. But he would, like, look at a baseball card and all of a sudden he would go back in time to that time period. I wish I would remembered the series' name. I really do. But I read all those books. That and The Magic Treehouse. House. Or whatever, or Boxcar Children too.
2: I read those well, books. Okay, okay. Did you read those
1: ones, the Boxcar Children?
2: Oh, I remember the magic, the magic tree. Yeah, right. right? Magic Treehouse, right? Tree.
1: That's what it's called, right?
2: I think it was the Magic Treehouse. You think Magic School Bus?
1: No, oh. it's like the Magic Treehouse. I'm the, pretty
2: sure. The the titles would be like some sort of clever alliteration, right? Like like August in Africa or something. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Magic Treehouse. <laughs> And yeah, there was tons that's of them. the height of the dry season. You better watch out, bro. Yeah, there was a ton of them. <laughs> I admit, I was always intrigued by the goosebumps, and I would page through them. But I'm, mm. I'm the biggest baby, so I could not read one straight through. I was just terrified to do that.
1: There was also one that was like, and there was a. <laughs> it was like um, each state had like a haunting. So it was like um, mannequins or at the. Uh, mall of america or like there were like haunted books but like not not super scary for there was like for for like middle schoolers you know that level of scary but it was like werewolves in wisconsin and then uh like mannequins at the mall of like for like minnesota mall of america and i read a few of those books there's probably a lot of them because there's 50
0: it's probably states. 50 <laughs>
1: i think there's more than 50 um but i read a few of those you gotta
0: involve Puerto rico right
1: yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't read all of them, so I don't I don't even know if she made it to all 50, but, <laughs> or if, I don't know if it was a guy or a girl, but the author.
0: I had, a, not like a horrible experience, but like kind of a little bit of a trauma, not traumatizing. I don't want to misuse that word, but a situation that I thought would be a good situation that turned out to be a lot worse than I thought it was. So oh. I was, I was really into Hardy Boys. Oh, okay. Um, written by Franklin W Dixon. Mm. So we were I forget what grade it was, maybe it was 5th or 6th grade. Um we had to write a paper like a little like a little biography of one of our favorite authors. Mm. So of course I chose Franklin W Dixon because I really liked the Hardy Boys. Yeah. I was like awesome, this guy is probably like a for some reason I had Winston Churchill in my head like this is what this guy is going to look like this
1: That's what every author looks like. Old, burly,
0: (laughs) cigar-smoking, big mustache, detective sort of dude. Mm. Turns out that the Hardy Boys are actually... Like, Franklin W. Dixon is a pen name used by, like, 50 different authors Uh, that wrote the Hardy Boys. So other authors would write Hardy Boys stories. And would all write under the same pen name as Franklin W. Dixon.
1: So. So, were you really sad? So. I could imagine
0: Cameron just breaking down. A smart student would be like, oh man, this sucks guess I got to pick another author because I'm not going to get any information about a person oh, that doesn't no, exist. What do do? Guess what I did? Oh, no. My paper consisted of listing authors and which books they wrote. I <laughs> 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 like little biographies. You were so for... set
1: on writing about Hardy Boys author that you you did
0: that. <laughs> it, was, <Is> that... <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a glorified list with little snippets for each of the authors, which... Looking back on it, yeah, like, I could have written about, like, dove into that topic of people that use, like, a certain pen name mm-hmm. for a long, like, time. Right. Or not a long time, but, like, you, multiple people using the same pen name to carry on, like, a story or whatever, uh, which I'm not convinced. Like, somebody is writing Game of Thrones under George R. R. Martin's pen name.
1: What is it with authors that always just go by initials and then last name? Why is that only a thing with authors? Like
0: J.K. Rowling?
1: Yeah, J.K. C.S. R- C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. J.R.R. Tolkien. Like, all of them. Like, what is that? What is it? Nobody else does that. What would no your other?
2: name be, John?
1: Well, I guess John. J.C. Smoove. J.C. Smoove. Well, I guess if you, it would be J.E. Christensen, because that's my initials. Oh, I like it. But... I feel like I would need to shorten my name, like my last name. If I would, because I feel like that's not for like a Christ. Yeah,
0: J E well, Christ. I, I feel
1: I would feel weird going by that. You know, J E Christ. It's like, I don't know. it was, I don't know we got a priest here? Is that like, is that, is that wrong? <laughs> <There> <laughs> it's kind of wrong, named man. Named
0: Jesus.
1: No, no, but J E Christ. What's
0: that it's like? like you're that's saying,
1: like Jesus's initials, right there, your, man. What's your real name? Eric. Yeah, that yeah. fits. Yeah. J.E. Christensen. <laughs> you could f- flip it around and, and be
0: E.J. E. Jo- e. Joseph or E.C. Joseph. <laughs> C.E. Joseph. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what would yours be? C. C.J. Grinky. C.J. That's a good one.
0: I, I guess.
1: Yeah, I feel like that flows. My last names Do you himself. have?
0: Do you get rid of your middle name when you become a priest? Because it's Father Ben Johnson. <laughs> what? Your middle name, your middle name <laughs> it's wiped shifts out to legally. your first name. Like Ben is your middle name now, yeah, and yeah, all priests all, all are, my first records name are Father.
2: Are scrapped and
1: uh, on his driver's license, yeah. it's just Father Ben Johnson. Yeah.
0: Do you, Do you have your clerics on in your driver's license photo? Um,
2: oh, here we go. I, I don't think so. Um, well, I think I took it. I don't know when I took it, but it expires in 2028. So I'm not going back there for six more years, but I'm not, I'm not wearing them in there. It's kind of, what's the deeper question. What's, would I, would I abuse the clerical state to avoid a speeding ticket, Cameron? Oh my gosh. No,
0: I don't, I don't think so. But I think if like a cop rolled up and they're like, yo, what up? Uh, You know how fast you were going there soon. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to get a hospital. Somebody's dying.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> that reminds me of. Um, there's a story of my dad knows a. Can we, can we hold on a second dad? before yeah, we get too
0: <laughs> far <laughs> away from this so I can figure <laughs> so out what Father Ben's be, middle name is?
2: Yeah. Oh, it's Daniel. I'm sorry. Oh, so B D JD, Johnson or uh, B J B D B. D. <laughs> B D Johnson B
0: D Johnson. You know what? That actually sounds like
1: B.D. That Johnson. Mm. That's a good one. I should start writing books. B. B. What, D. what eyes. kind of
2: what kind of books would you write? books that i write like mystery books i've never even thought about that. yeah My goodness i i had such i had varied tastes when i was little like i mean yeah i did the harry potters um the chronicles of narnia what else kind Chron- of what <laughs> Chron- of <Narnia>. sorry <laughs> every time <laughs> every time i hear it it's, <laughs> that's
0: a chronicle uh, well, what
2: SNL a, is funny it was a strange one uh series of unfortunate events there was like 11 or oh, yeah. 13 Thirteen of... Oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I never read those. I had a friend that read them all. I, I liked them. Yeah.
0: Lemony Snicket.
2: What? Lemony Snicket. That was the... Uh, that's the name. Yeah. I remember mm. seeing a lot of Animorphs, but I never read them. I would spend an inordinate amount of time looking at the covers of Animorphs books mm. and like that weird fourth transition where it's it's like fleshy. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. like I know the, what you're talking about now. Those covers with the person becoming an animal. Weird, but I know they say don't. I would judge not them. write Animorphs books. That's <laughs> that's, that's good yeah. thing for sure.
0: Where do, where do you want? Where do you want to go? Where do you where yeah. do you where are we going, John?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say. I know they don't say. I know they say don't judge a book by its cover. But like, as a middle schooler, I hundred percent when it came to actually reading books, judged books by their cover. I still do that. Like if it if it doesn't have interesting cover art, I'm not gonna read it.
0: See the the problem with that is it's the same kind of idea that you run into for like music videos mm. so like a music video is a different artist's interpretation of a different artist's work because the mm. artists typically don't like the the band themselves don't really you know they might have input but right. there's another person who's directing the music video so it's it's in just like book covers but our authors aren't artists right all the time they might be they might write their own book covers or they're boring and their book covers the title of the book and then like their name and really big cuz they mm-hmm. have egos um but it's a different artist's rep- interpretation of a different artist's work yeah that's fair so and i get why that's why we say like don't judge a book by its cover even though i totally do that
1: Right when it comes to books, I don't do that with people, yeah. but like, <laughs> yeah, you know. no, that's where the saying goes: like, hey, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, okay, but I do that with actual books. Because what,
0: what are you what are you reading right now?
1: Um, school work. Oh. That's, that's what I've been reading. Lame. I know uh, physiology.
0: What are you reading for?
2: <laughs> I reading the Spirit of the Liturgy. Ooh, a, a workbook. Super oh. good. No? Is
0: that a workbook for you? Like, no, I chose it. Yeah.
1: Are there required books? Like, are there, like, things... I mean, I'm, I'm sure, like, the you know, the Bible of, you know, <laughs> should, should be able to read that. But, like, are there, like, you know, books that's, like, hey, priest friends, you guys should read these.
2: I mean, they give you a pretty big list in yeah. seminary. okay. And there well, are I'm several textbooks yeah. that I... Their binding is not too bent.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the binding is not too bent
2: that spark notes like, is bookmarked <laughs> Ah, SparkNotes was so good back in the day now it's like 95 percent ads like, like literally a oh. screen why there might be like three lines of text but it's it's well all
0: if ads, you okay. th- if you knew a that a bunch of people are going to go to your site and b they need your site
2: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> ah, they're I going guess. to
0: go through the 30 pages of ads that you have for two paragraphs of information because right. they were too lazy to read the book in the first place.
1: Speaking of scrolling through a bunch of stuff, that reminds me of like when it comes to recipes on like oh, when Bro. people share their life stories before <laughs> putting a simple cookie recipe. Like I get it, but also put it at the top. I don't need to I don't need to read the whole life
0: story. I would exclusively exclusively use a specific recipe website if the recipe itself, the recipe card was pinned to the top. You tell me your story after that. 100%. I don't want to look for an egg side recipe and the first thing that I write or that I read is when I was born on the farm, my grandpa on a Tuesday would always get the eggs from the coop. Just what? I'm not getting
1: eggs from the coop, I'm getting it from the grocery store. So hop to it man. or even
0: in, in their <laughs> descriptions, like it works best if you use eggs fresh from the chicken. But if you must use eggs from the grocery store. If you don't have
1: a chicken coop, you peasant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if your eggs aren't still warm. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's why that's like that's like the small if you have like a small pet peeve. That's probably that's in, in John's top five there, of that's like up. when I'm looking for a you know, a great recipe for something and there's that life story, I'm just something about it just kind of irks me a little bit
0: so when i got together with elizabeth to start just talk about a couple of things like mm. what because she's our like um screening person for the okay. podcast um if there was one rule her rule was like well, thirty minutes for the episode.
1: Oh boy, I don't know. I, guess I don't what like this like episode title oh, is?
0: Sorry, I oh, was so breaking 50. rule number one because bros, we're at an hour and five minutes. Oh, oh man, which which like, oh well. When I was told thirty minutes, like, of course, out of obedience, like, I am going to say, yeah, so you are totally going to try and do this, but like, no, that that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I am sure we'll have like, you know, guests that won't have as maybe as well prepared of a of a conversion stories as you do as like a even as a seminarian like right seminarians who have been in around for 3 4 years have their witness story like Down I'm going to gonna tell sea. it 30 right. times this week when I go home because everybody wants to know why you know and even some people don't have a mass they don't have a massive conversion story because you know maybe there's someone like Someone like you, who's also a credo, credo Catholic, yeah. but maybe they, and maybe that's the person we need to talk to because they answer that question of like, what do your parents need to do to make sure that you are faithful the entire time? Mm-hmm. But even people that, as, as Father Ben has showed us today, you can still, as a teenager, you go through those rebellious years where you're questioning, you want to know for sure. You just need that person that's going to answer your questions, and as a challenge, we we need to be right. those people that are unafraid to answer the questions or point them in the direction of where to find the answer. Right now, right. I think people do need to try to find the answer themselves. I think that's very important, but we need to be unafraid of the question. A que- right. Asking a question is not a denial of faith.
1: It's a deeper it's a deeper investigation
2: in my opinion, for sure. You know, so I I say to people all the time, what, what's the mass? Why come to church on Sunday? It's okay to ask the basics. And if you, if we stutter on some of them and we say, okay, this is where we have to pause and, and, and talk more. I mean, the, the Socratic or in philosophy, this, this dialogue and this format of question and answer, this is the Socratic method. It's not exclusive to niche types of schools or or whatever the Socratic method is for everyone Mm -hmm. and it's pretty much one of the best ways of coming to learn coming to knowledge definitely think think about it very basically if someone has uh, a fundamental question in their head that they're not over yet and you're gonna just speak at them it's not gonna stick And they're not going to be able to entertain any other questions until the thing on their mind is first addressed. We can't. We're not really good at thinking of multiple things at once. But if you let the individual go first and say, "Well, this is where I'm at," there's your starting point. There's mm-hmm. your starting point. You can build off that. Right.
0: Oh, we well, thank you so much, Father, for yeah. for being on. I'm glad we got you before you uh, head off to your next assignment. Very. I. I and I kind of. We'll definitely try to have you on. I'm sure again, but you are going to be a busy man definitely. up, up yeah. in Green Bay with them um, college kids and a brand new parish to work with. You're two parishes. Two parishes. That's so right. Two very, parishes and the college.
1: We're very lucky to have you, and you're going to do awesome.
0: So definitely. Thank you so much for for joining us, Father. We we appreciate it very much. Yeah. Thank you for spending far too much, uh, far too much time than we are worth.
2: <laughs> 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 Shucks! Thank you, gentlemen, and thank you for um, providing a platform uh, for some of some of this good discussion. Uh, no, God bless you for that. Thanks uh,
0: again. If if you have any questions, comments, prayer requests, uh, somebody you think that might be great on the podcast, somebody maybe it's you. Maybe you really want to come tell your story. You can email us at humblyspeakingpod. All one word, all lowercase. That's humbly speakingpod at gmail.com and we will see you all in the next episode
2: praise be jesus christ amen